0: Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I want to do like my pastor did back home. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. That, that's wonderful. Okay. Well, I'm from Arkansas. Ooh, Arkansas. So we're we we are we are brothers in Christ, <laughs> except when the Longhorns play the Razorbacks. So I'm just kidding. I love people from Texas, especially from Colleen. One of my best friends that are is an intern at a church down the road from where I go. He is from Colleen also. His name is William Nickerson. So I don't know if that name sounds familiar, but he's, really good, um, he's a really good guy. So um, but anyways, um, again, my name's Taylor. I will be bringing God's message to you this morning. Um, and it's just a wonderful opportunity just to be um, amongst all of you. Um, and we will go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Oh Lord, um, we need you. Um, we desperately need you in this time of just the way the economy is struggling. And um, Father, just God, God, I just pray you guide us in our um, in our financial situations and our and just our also our hearts, Lord. God, that we be able to seek you um, and seek your knowledge and your understanding, Lord, that is in your Word, um, Father. You're mighty in your ways. You're powerful. And Father, all glory and everything, um, it just, let's just, our lives be glory, uh, glorify yours, Lord. And through this message, Father, I pray you um, bring a clear understanding to um, the people of the Garden Community Church, as well as a, um, the people um, who are in Israel that we see in the book of Haggai. Um, Lord, I thank you for just being a messenger of your word, God, and just thank you for your truth that you give us freely, Lord, and help us to apply this to our lives. So I may um, deliver it out to the people in this community, Father, and and to the world. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Alright. So we are in the book of Haggai today. Um, Many of you may not be familiar where the book of Haggai is. I, for one, have read it. But um, until I began to prepare it as a sermon, um, I never really studied it. So... um, Studying it, I've realized um, the message, the deep message that's inside of it, that um, if we take this serious enough, that if we apply this to our lives, then um, we will see change inside this community. And we will see um, how our lives affect each and one, everyone else's life um, outside of us. So, I'll begin by reading, um, I'm just going to read this again. Matt Matheson, you did a wonderful job. You um, pronounced all the names that I had trouble with right, so congrats, bro. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to read out of Haggai, if y'all know, wait, I guess everyone's there. Um, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, "'Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, "'The time is not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord.' And "'Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. "'Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses "'while this house lies in ruins? "'Now therefore, thus, you have so, or thus says the Lord of hosts, "'Consider your ways. "'You have so much and harvested little. "'You eat, but you never have enough. "'You drink, but you never have your fill. "'You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm.' And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build a house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land, and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet. As the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, and the second year of the king Darius. Ugh. Uh, is a lot of scripture. Um, but there's so much profound truth in it. Um, it's just, when I heard Matt read it um, to me, um, it was just beautiful. Um, just every word um, that came from it, it was just beautiful. And, that, and it just, that's how I guess, I me and Paul were talking um, back uh, earlier this week. Um, but, you know when I re- when I read this, you know I kind of take it as you know as when I eat food, um, being the Word of God is our spiritual food, <laughs> but that every word, in every paragraph, in every verse, you know I just took it to heart um, about what every line um, that Haggai wrote down, what it meant, and and how it can how it can pertain to my life, and and how I can. I understand when he says, "Consider your ways," or when I can understand, you know, "I am with you." And every word that he presents to me, and how I can, you know, take that and grab a hold of it and, and grasp it, and just hang on it for a little bit, and just just think about it, what it means in my life. Um, but first, I'll give you some um, some background. Everyone, learn some background, some scripture, but um. In 586 B.C., the Babylonians sacked Jerusalem. So kind of like if you think of the Ravens, anyone familiar with the Ravens? Quarterback Joe Flacco kind of gets sacked when they play the Steelers. So, yeah. Okay, but (laughs) Babylonians sacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took most of the Jews into exile. About 50 years later, Cyrus the Persian took Babylon and brought the Babylonian Empire to an end. The next year, he allowed the Jews to return to their homeland and rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. All of this was owing to the sovereign hand of God, fulfilling the prophecies of Jeremiah. Like I said, we know Haggai. He started as a prophet uh, during an incredibly crucial time in the life of the people of Israel. At the same time that I feel like we are kind of going through right now, with, of course, everyone who listens to the radio station NPR. Is that what it's called? (laughs) Everyone listens to that. Every time I ride with Joel, he's like got set on and I'm listening to some of the things going down in D.C. Um, But many of you, you know, if you live under a rock, we're going through a big economy catastrophe um, during these days that we're facing. A lot of decisions and a lot of people in our government are needing to step up and a lot of people in our United States of America are needing to step up. In the same way we see here here in the book of Haggai that, you know, Haggai is just he, it's like he has all this stuff handed to him, and he's going into this, um, into this in the city of Israel, um, and he's he gets this command uh, to deliver the message to the people to 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 take off you know everything they have of themselves and put on what God you know wants of them to put on and, and immediately obey um, and then rebuild, which hence the title. Um, first, let's look in Ezra five two. Um, to get a little bit more um, understanding of um, the book of Haggai. You don't, y'all, y'all don't have to turn there, but trust me, it's in the Bible. So um, We read in Haggai 5, 1-2, it says, Now the prophets Haggai eh, and Zechariah the son of Iddo prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua the son of Jezodak arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. So Haggai prophesied during the time when God moved um, Cyrus and later Darius, king of Babylon, to allow the Israelites' exiles in Babylon to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. Yet as they rebuilt the temple, they met stiff opposition from all sides, um, especially the Samaritans. They grew discouraged and stopped the work, the work for which God had sent them back to Jerusalem. They quit the work at around 536 to 535 B.C., and God raised up Haggai in the second year of King Darius' reign, around 520 B.C., to stir them out of their complacency and help them to see their spiritual condition in the midst of their circumstances and to urge them to find pleasure in pleasing God rather than padding their wallets and their own personal situations. Um, God summons us um, through his prophet to consider our ways. He never once tells his people um, that they would never face opposition. What well, he promised was strength to persevere in the midst of them. Um, out of God's love and mercy, he sends his prophets and preachers to remind of his people of his faithfulness and turn, to remind them as his people are not simply for Old Testament prophets peoples, but for all people of God. Therefore, we are all people of God, and this message we have to take as people of God, as family of God, to our own hearts. And it is that we must consider our ways, that we must remind ourselves constantly, each and every day that we wake up, that we are all Christians, and that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And that, like Brett mentioned a couple of weeks ago, in Colossians, which I wanted to go over Colossians 3, that was like, uh, but you did it, and I loved it. <laughs> so, um, but like in Colossians, it says, you know, let's put off hate and, and put on gentleness. Let's have gentle hearts when we speak. Let them be gentle words, not nothing of harshness or, or just I guess gossip. Um, I know Crystal's been praying. When we during prayer, we we pray for that, that there may not be gossip in our hearts at all, and that we just put on just I guess that gentle hearts and gentle voices. And where you know, if we come to a problem in the church, that we go to God to solve it, and that we just seek His guidance, seek His leadership, and just cause no quarrelsome to come amongst us, because. I mean, I mean, to me, just coming out of high school, um, I didn't like drama at all. Who likes drama? No one likes drama unless you like to watch Days of Our Lives or Young and the Restless like my grandma does. But we don't like drama. We, we, we dislike it, and it doesn't need to be any part of the church. It needs to be farther far the church as it can. But I know that sometimes, you know, you know division will come. Even just, you know, growing up in, um, growing up in church, I've seen some of the craziest situations that have separated and and, and torn a church apart. I, I really I don't I don't see here. I see a united group here, but it's always good to remind ourselves of the God that we serve, and the God that can bring peace to us if we follow Him and we obey Him, and. We just live our lives out for only Him, and not for people around us, not for the congregation on Sunday, not for the people in our office, that we live our lives for God. And once we live our lives for God, everything else will come about. It's not, and I I love this, but for the longest time, I've always had trouble with just understanding why people are like, you know, as long as we love each other, as long as we give, you know, we are Christians. That's not what saves you. Jesus Christ saves you. It's not The gospel isn't love each other and then you're saved. The gospel is believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And once you're saved, you will love others. And that's what we really need to take to heart today is that, you know, love is not in our words or it's also in our actions too. And we, we can't just be hearers of the word, but we have to be doers also. And so we have to take the desires that God places in our hearts and that we pray for every day and see those and allow God to stir up His Holy Spirit inside of us and take those words and take those desires and take our actions into the community and share them with the people who are in desperate need of His Word and who are in desperate need of freedom in Christ. That's only what Christ can offer. So many times we try to push, push that limit of where, you know what, I'm going to do this my way and you know what, I'm just going to lead these people to prayer on my own. But no, it's the power of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that does that. It's not us. It's not, it's not us. Now we see in Haggai one um, one through four. I'm gonna close this because I don't need it. Um, God called his prophet um, to confront some rather influential people amongst Israel, Zerubbabel the governor of Judah, and Joshua the high priest. He confronts them with the mindset of the Israelite culture. After their prov- providential return back to Jerusalem, these people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. In verse four, we see selfish indulgence revealed by the prophet's rhetorical request demonstrated their hypocrisy and misplaced priorities. Where are your priorities today? <laughs> where are our priorities? What do we find wh- I mean, where do you seek treasure in? I mean, where is your source of joy today? Is it in your jobs? I mean, is it in in the vehicle you drive, the family you have, the house you have? I mean, where do you find your source of joy? I mean, everything on this earth will fade away. Everything. But the word of the Lord will stand forever and our treasure and our source of joy should be in heaven. That one day, you know, that we'll stand before the Lord when we die um, and we'll be able to share glory in the Christ that we've had faith in. We haven't seen, but we've had faith in. And then those who had faith, you know, they will see and then they'll believe. Because we'll be, I mean, standing in the presence of the Lord. And just like John, we, we sang this song, I See the Lord. And I don't, I don't know why this place wasn't really erupted of just saying, you know, I see the Lord, because just w- when we see that time of just standing face to face to the One who, who saved us, who loved us, who had patience with us, even when we broke promises to Him, even when we sought our sin out to be greater than Him, when it was not, He still held faithful to us. You know, when Timothy says, while we were faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot... He cannot go against what He says. I mean, promises that we see in the Word of God, you know, those are promises that He'll carry out. I mean, why can't we be a generation? Many people are already saying, oh, we're we're counting on the next generation to come up. But you can be a generation today that makes a difference, not only in your community, but you can make a difference in your world. You have to have the mindset of Christ. You can't grasp and hold on to the things that you've had and you think you've earned yourself. But you have to hold those loosely. We can't misplace our priorities because when we misplace our priorities, we take our eyes off the Lord. We forget who we're serving. We forget who gave us this life. He breathed his breath into our life. He was with us even when we were in our mother's womb. We forget that. And we think we've done this life all on our own when we haven't. And it's something that I've deceived myself, you know, before long before I, I've ever realized, you know, who my Savior was. And it wasn't just, you know, He's my Savior, but He is the one who I want my life to Look like as I walk up and down the hallways of Arkansas Tech University he's the one I want to look like when I walk up and down the streets of Pennsylvania Avenue or Park Avenue and that's the way we must we must seek Christ and seek the way he lived his life and incorporate that in the way we live. I mean it's something that we must do he's the only way we can understand and receive all satisfaction that is needed. We can't find satisfaction or even our salvation in our materialistic things and our possessions. Because again, they will fade away. Many of you understand that. Um, you understand you know, where these people were coming from. You knew of God's calling in a certain area. You saw the need and He began the work You know God's call you to witness, but excuses arise as to why now is just not the time, or your fear discourages you. We may have found ourselves doing the work with little or no help, and discouragement sets in. We know we need to give, but we have a house to work on, or we have bills to pay, we have a vacation to take, or we quote the struggling economy. Maybe we grow discouraged because we receive little appreciation for what we do. Maybe our relatives Maybe our relatives mock us um, for spending too much time doing church stuff. Whatever the reason, the the result is the same. Discouragement followed by complacency followed by our disobedience. have we considered our complacency for the Lord's work? Complacency sets in. But the great thing about it and what we'll see in Haggai is that God steps in with the messenger. He steps in whenever we sit down in our seats Sunday morning and and Pastor Joel or, or Pastor whoever comes up and just strikes you with the Word of God. And like in Acts, we see cut to the heart of the people. And the Holy Spirit rises up within us. And we see what, you know, what our eyes need to be open to. Now in Haggai 5 um, 5 through 6, um, so they lived in continuous frustration and discontentment, nothing satisfied them. We can't pass this lesson over easily because it's for us too. If we devote ourselves to sewing and eating and drinking and clothing ourselves and earning wages, but neglect our ministry in the body of Christ, we will live just like these people in constant frustration. Then we see God speak through Haggai and says, Consider your ways. They eat but are not full. They drink but they never quench their thirst. They do not have enough clothing. They bring in a paycheck, but the money seems to vanish. The reason these issues happened was due to their unfaithfulness. They failed to be satisfied with what God provided for them. They worked and worked, but that never lowered their discouragement. God would not bless them with more unless they stayed faithful with the resources God had already gave them. And I thought this would be fitting because Joel went to Spurgeon College, so... But, anyways, Charles Spurgeon once noted if men are selfish and keep their wealth to themselves and rob God of his portion, they shall not prosper, or if they do, no blessing shall come of it. Now, let's look at the ultimate point of this passage. The ultimate point of this passage is not about building programs, Old Testament style specifically, or about giving in general. The ultimate point lies in your attitude and your obedience to God. Do you love him? Do you delight in Him above all things? I mean, what is your source of joy? And where does your treasure lie? Now we look, and this is just the most inspirational thing of, you know, even um, even during my trials and my tr- troubles and, and my sin. God always comes through, because once again, you know, He is faithful. So we see His faithfulness towards His people in, in Haggai 1. Uh, 7 through 11. Again, God commands His people to consider and evaluate their ways. They wanted more pleasure in their own ways than in God's ways. God never desired for us to find pleasure in something other than Him. The gift is never greater than the giver. The things that God gives us, we sometimes, we treat them like a cuckold. We, we, ta- we ask them for, for stuff and then we commit idolatry and when we take so much pleasure in this this item that we forget who God is and we forget that God gave this to us. And so many times um, even in my high school career, uh, just playing baseball, that I forgot who, the God who gave me the talent, who gave me the ability to play baseball, who gave me the, the long arms that I thought were just freakishly too long. But No, I'm 5'10", but I have a six-foot wingspan. It's just crazy. And there's a mouse back there. So praise the Lord. Um, But how through my long arms, how how it created velocity and how I was never an individual who was able to go to the workout gym and build up strength. I tried everything. I tried muscle milk. I tried all this stuff besides steroids um, to become stronger. But it wasn't. Can I can I get the mouse? The long arm. I'm not the guy from Fantastic Four. (laughs) What's his name? Like Stench Armstrong? No, that's a character that we had when we were little. I was little. Um, But we can't overlook the talents and the abilities, the intellect that God has given us. We we, we can't at all because, like I said, you know, once we our focus is on that our focus tends to leave away from God who, who is given to us. And He didn't have to do that. The jobs you have today, the cars, the houses you have today, your children, your wife, your husband, um, your family, he didn't, he didn't have to do that for you, but He did because He loves you. He gave you encouraging siblings. He gave you encouraging family members um, that are there to, to keep you going each and every day. I mean, don't take them for granted. Um, um, this morning, um, I, I was just, I, I stay up late. That's, that's who I am. But this morning, I was just going through, um, everyone has a Facebook, not everyone, but not Miss Gwen. I know you don't have a Facebook, but. Um, I was going through Facebook, and um, someone posted that one of my friends had, had passed away. Um, he, he battled cancer for the longest time, and. And cancer, in a way, kind of brought him to Christ. Um, but he, he finally, uh, he passed away this early this morning. And there's a lot of people, even even my pastor back home, um, is very saddened because my pastor was really one of the big um, influences um, in bringing Christ um, um, to Melvin. Um, but he's with the Lord now. But a grade above me, the class of 2008, um, so far, as, as I've been graduating from school, um, there, there have been about five deaths um, from, young, from young men in, in, that, um, in that age group, in that class. Um, many people, like we see Amy Winehouse who just passed away, we see that as a tragedy. But ultimately, I, I just pray that um, for his friends, that it's kind of a wake up call to them that God is real and that God was real in Melvin's life Um, and honestly if they were to hear this message I I would really pray that they may they they may consider um, their friend and and who their friend worshipped and who their friend loved even to his deathbed Um, because I mean seriously we don't know when the day may come when we all pass away um, because our lives are so fragile our lives are so very fragile When God calls us to repentance, He's not merely calling for a change of mind or a change of philosophy that remains eternal. Repentance is a call to action. He says, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. Four must-dos in this two, these two short sentences. Consider, go, bring, and build. Pay attention also the foundation so that God may take pleasure in it and God may be glorified. God desires that our pleasures and his pleasures are the same. He desired a house as a testimony to the nations that God is still among his people and active in the world. As a reminder to the people of Israel that God kept the covenant he established with Abraham. He is always there. He's always faithful. He keeps his promises. Why do I... You don't have to answer this. Of course not. Um, But why do I always... Why do I always turn to to little bitty pleasures, earthly pleasures, worldly pleasures of this earth? That I know that one day, knowing, knowing that one day when I step into heaven and I see the glory of God, everything behind me, every little sin, every little pride issue that I had, every lie that I ever told, every lustful act that I've ever committed... All that's just going to be basically vanity, I guess. That's probably not the right word to use, but it's going to be useless. It's gonna be, I'm going to look at that and be like, why the heck did I do that? Because I have glory here in heaven that I'm looking in the face of my God that I chose all that stuff over Him. How could I ever do that? Why would I ever do that? When He is the Creator and I am the created. <laughs> he is the molder I'm, I'm, I'm the mold. I mean, come on. Why would I ever try to think that I could outdo the, the, the molder, I guess that's what you call it, or, or the creator? Why, why would I think that the life that I live, I can control myself? Because I can't. When I control myself, I mess up. When God controls my life, I prosper. When I obey Him, you know, everything that he desires that I will desire too. And we must we must be fervent in our prayer that our desires line up with God's desires, that we seek him wholeheartedly. And the only way we can seek him, and the only way we can experience him is by being being in his word. And we'll never stop. This is as long as we live, as long as you breathe, as long as God gives rhythm to your heart, we should constantly be in the Word of God. Every day is a day of ministry. Never look at it any any different. Everywhere you are, you are a minister. You are a light in this dark world. So never take it for granted that wherever you're at, that you live for Christ, whether it be in your office, whether it be at Johns Hopkins, whether it be at Arkansas Tech, whether it be in the photography studio, whether it be on the streets, wherever you're at, you are to live for Christ and only for Christ and it seems like, Taylor, you're, you're, come on, man. Why, why, are you, why are you being like this? Because this is the only way. Following God, following Jesus Christ, having your faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And if you were standing in front of God alone, I would be sorry for you. I'd be sorry for myself. So I wouldn't want to face God alone. Especially on Judgment Day. Especially like tons of my friends who have passed away have to because no one shared them the love of the love of God and the same people that are out in these streets that you walk by every day that they can't stand in front of God and raise their hand and say it is well with my soul you know I see the Lord they can't say that because we have not delivered the gospel to them and we need we need to deliver the gospel to them But well, we also must just encourage each other. And like it says in First Thessalonians, uh, we must um, exhort, must encourage, and we must charge. But charge, not in a demanding way, but in, in a way of gentleness, in a way of respect. Uh, and I'm off. Where I was that? Oh, well. If God irritates us in our temporal affairs, we meet with trouble and disappointment. We shall find this in the cause of it. The work we have to do for God in our own souls is left undone and we seek our own things more than the things of Christ. The people of Israel focused and worried more on the evildoers who discouraged them than on the God who delivered them from Israel. When God urges them to do what they do, notice that His first motive is not so they would get better in return on their hordes or enjoy their food or drink or any other earthly reason. His reasoning is that He may find pleasure in these acts, and that these acts would bring glory to Him. God, by His providence, kept them still behind hand. And that poverty which they thought to prevent them by not building the temple, we see the drought that God brought upon them for not building it. We read in um, verse 9, it says, You look for much, and behold, it came to little. And when He brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins. Now God is being an egomaniac to me. He has every right to be. It's His prerogative, right. Because if I were God, and I see these people that I've delivered out of not only uh, Egypt, not only did I give them tons of prophets, um, tons of uh, my promises, and yet they still don't understand that I am God and that my house takes priority over any of your houses, then I'd be pretty I'd be upset. Um, and I would definitely give them the lecture um, as God gives them here. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. So these people are throwing a party. They're like, you know, I want to try to make my house look the best. I want to have these little bitty fancy things. I don't even know what the houses look like back then. Um, they might have had. Use your imagination. Um, seriously, they're so caught up in their own things, in their own houses, they, they forget. They forget because they busy themselves with their own house. They forget God's house, that it's lying in ruins. It's lying in ruins. I didn't realize. Um, I didn't realize until about 3:17 a.m. this morning how this scripture, how these 15 verses, can apply to you and I. And I gave Joel a little preview of it. I don't know if he, what he's thinking, but, um, but anyways, so these people. I'll give you a little summary of this. These people so caught up in their own things that they forget to build God's house. They rebuild God's house. So God stirs up their spirit inside of them and they go and in, in the end rebuild their house and start working on the house of the Lord. And he's glorified and he says, I'm with you. Um, you. You don't have to raise your hand. All of you in your minds are probably going to raise your hand. But how many people want to take the church out to these streets? and How many people want to take the people in these streets to be a part of their church, whether it be the Garden Community Church or any other church in this community, there's a lot of people that would want to do that. A lot of people have that desire, that want-to attitude in your hearts that you just some some of you probably can't even sleep at night because you just want to get out on these streets and you want to bring all these people um, to know who Jesus Christ is. You want to plant seeds, and we can all agree that these people, including us too. We're all broken, we're all damaged, we're all hell beaten on, we're all dented in, and we need rebuilding. And like this church, they rebuilt the physical church. So also, there are churches out there walking around the streets right now, looking for drugs, looking for sex to fulfill their pleasures. They're looking for this, and they need someone to go out to them and help to rebuild them. Because they are churches too. We are all church. We make up the church. The church is not a building. We meet in the rec center. Come on, guys. We are the church. We sit in blue chairs every Sunday. We are the church. Our chairs aren't the church. We are the church. We, our butts sit in the... I just said butts. <laughs> our butts sit in these chairs, and that makes us the church. The people make the church. The church building doesn't make the church. So there are tons of churches lying in ruins out on the streets right now. Who need hope in Jesus Christ? Who need something to free them from their addictions? Christian, who shared with you the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you may know who Jesus Christ is? Who shared it with you? Many names can come, come up to your head right now. So why can't you do the same favor that someone did for you and share the love of Jesus Christ with these people on these streets? Who needs you? I mean, there's these, kid, these kids on the streets, they... I don't know if 18 years old is promised to some of these little kids. I don't, I don't know if, I, I don't know this. God knows this, but we can do something about it. Because as a church, we are called to go out and make disciples of all nations. And if we are the Garden Community Church, I hope I got that. Yeah, we are the Garden Community Church. Community is in that. So therefore, our church isn't just us people who gather in here, but also our church extends out from Pennsylvania to St to Charles Village, to Inner Harbor, Fells Point, and Federal Hill, McHenry, yeah, all over this place, baby. Mm -hmm. So there is nowhere that the gospel is not needed, because this is needed everywhere. (laughs) I'm excited. So how do we rebuild the church? How do we rebuild the Lord's house? Clearly, there are numerous church programs that we can become involved in to help reach out to others. But I think the most effective way of rebuilding God's house is when we spend time with others, sharing our faith with them or encouraging them to join us in church, capital C, baby, capital C. There are people you will come in contact with every day who are searching for meaning in life, who are confused and frustrated, who are open to you, coming alongside them, and sharing them with God's love. Everyone out here in this community has an interesting story. We also have an interesting story, but they have one too, and I bet it's better than ours. So we need to be with them at a bus stop. Wherever we're at, we we need to share and come alongside of them and take, take them under our wing. It's very important to understand what Christ meant by the Great Commission. And like he says here in verse 13, I am with you. Once they obeyed and once they repented, not only from Haggai the prophet, not only Haggai the prophet's words, but the words the Lord God spoke through him. The Lord says, I am with you. He goes from saying in verse 2, these people, to saying, I am with you, these are my people. and just like in Matthew 28:20 20, we see that Christ says I'm with you even unto the end of the world. Haggai reports that Zerubbabel and Joshua and the people obeyed and began to work on the temple on the 24th day of the 6th six month 624. That's my birthday, but not that long ago. So after 18 years of neglect and frustration the people began to learn their lesson. We may resist people coming in and condemning us in an area that falls short of God's standard. But does that say more about us than anything? Is this reaction the result of a hardened heart? Fortunately, Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, if anyone remembers Joshua, he's a pretty awesome dude, um, did not possess a hardened heart. As we read earlier from Ezra 5, 1-2, they led the people to conduct the work of, re- of rebuilding the temple. Yet like the rest of the remnant, they too became complacent, and the rest simply followed their lead. Praise God that we have people like Joel Curz, and we have people like preachers who, who go out and devote themselves all over this world to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God that we have someone like that who can hold us accountable. And praise God that we have our accountability partners that can hold us accountable and encourage us along our paths that we go in this ministry um, with God. Ministry is not something you do for God. Ministry is something God does through you and even in spite of you. God moved Haggai to preach to the remnant in Israel who were moved by the Word and the Spirit to build. Just like God has sent each preacher to his own church to preach, encourage, and be the voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Just like John said. In the book of John, we don't see anything of him. He's a completely humble guy. Completely humble. We need to learn from his humility. I mean, John, one of the first guys, even when he was in his his mother's womb, he jumped out whenever Mary came around who Jesus, when Jesus Christ was in her womb. He jumped out and praised because Jesus Christ was near him. And he, he was said to be the first um, worshiper of Jesus Christ, uh, which is truly amazing. And we also too, um, I think that, I hope my wife, whoever she may be, in the future, um, who has a kid in, 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 the, in, the, in the confines of marriage, um, if I were to become a preacher, whoever the preacher that, when that baby, when that baby kicks during, during our pastor's message, that, oh my gosh, I'll, I will be like, dang, this kid's going to be awesome. Um, but we must seek the mindset of Christ and live the example that He has set. And understand His sacrificial love for us, so that our love for others is the love He has shown us. We must prepare for Christ. The best gift of the gospel this quoted by John Piper. The best gift of the gospel is not the forgiveness of sins. It is not the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is not eternal life. The best gift of the gospel it is seeing and savoring the supremacy of Jesus Himself and we had no access to this joy until He took our place. Even when God owed us hell, He went to hell for us. Even though God owed us hell, He gave His Son as a sacrificial gift for us so that we may have an opportunity at heaven. Christian, you did, not, you did not save yourself, but God saved you. For while you were dead, He made you alive. We see that clearly. That while you were dead, He made you alive. While I was wandering out, looking for ways that I can try to do this life on my own, he sought me out. He put someone in place who brought me, who, actually a 10-year-old 10 10 year little boy. Uh, when I was 10 years old, me and one of my best friends, Hunter Hawkins, we, we prayed the Lord's Prayer together. After two years of just wondering and being curious about who this God is, because we, we both grew up in church, and we prayed together. And so one of the things I'll, I'll never forget, All right. In 14, it says, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Judah, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. We must be willing to let go of the life we have planned, so as to have the life that is waiting for us. Because faith is just not a one-time act, it should be a way of life. It is a way of life. We can make it a burden upon ourselves to work hard only 40% of our life and then go settle down the last 60% of it and waste it. In order to bring honor to the church as a whole, we must die to ourselves every day, and that that death may one day become a physical death. But to live as Christ, as Paul said, die is gain. And you can bet on that. When I'm 55, I will not be looking forward to retirement. I will not for the past thirty five years be saving me up thousands and thousands of dollars so I can live a safe, comfortable country safe, comfortable live in a safe, com- comfortable country club in Florida, on a beach playing golf with a wife. My dream is, God willing, to be in third world countries feeding, serving, and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with the poor, and not about be here in America. As long as we live for God, we must first seek to serve Him and not ourselves. As the summer draws near, uh, as the summer draws to end, this is July 31st, tomorrow is August 1st. Me and Matt are going to go see the Braves play the Whoop the Nationals, so it's pretty sweet. Looking forward to that. Um, but as the summer draws to another end, and in five months, we'll begin a new year, 2012. Everyone knows that to be the, well, unless October 21st comes to happen. <laughs> Doubt that. Um, it could happen, never, I'm not seeing anything. Um, are we willing to examine ourselves and truly consider our own ways? Are we willing to examine how we spend our time, our money, and our energies on the things of God? <clears throat> I only have one le- week left here in Baltimore. Um, it's been a good um, seven weeks. Um, i got to know a lot of kids. But I only have a week here left to minister to kids like Tyon, to minister to kids like Donye so I managed to kids like, and I forgot their names, um, Dorian and Nassim, um, who I'll have the privilege to take um, to the ball game this Friday and build relationships. But I want, I want to one day, I want, one of y'all, I want someone here, um, maybe an undergraduate that comes back, to step up and just put their, their time and everything they have into these kids. Because these kids could be one day the elders of this church. And I long for that day when I pick up my cell phone um, and hear Pastor Joel or, or Brandon or Paul or, or anyone tell me that Donye or Ty, uh, Tyon or anyone is being baptized. Um, I, re- I really do long for that day. But you know what? I, 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 will, I will not see the things that y'all guys will do in these kids' lives. Um, but I know because I have confidence in every one of you that you will put your time and your life and everything you have in you and to these kids to make sure that they have a good life and that they know, ultimately, they know Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And that their little dreams isn't being in a dirt bike game. Their dreams isn't selling drugs on a corner. Their dreams isn't infested in being anything that the world calls them to be, but that they dream to be something that God wants them to be. And in order for that to happen, we must consider our ways first. We must allow God to stir up the Holy Spirit inside of this church, inside of us, inside of the future leaders of this church, so that we may take action and work on the house of the Lord of hosts, our God. Um, pray with me. Um, dear Heavenly Father God, um, you, Father, are truly amazing. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation. I pray that the message, Lord, that You've given them, Father, that they apply it to their lives, Lord. And Father, that we may not just seek this life to be something that we can do on our own, but, Father, that we seek You. And that we may seek first the kingdom that is in heaven, and that everything will be added unto us. It's not the other way around, Lord. And I thank You for that, Father, that I must seek You. Father, I pray that we be a congregation that continues to seek You, that continues to experience You, um, no matter what agonies, no matter what trials, no matter what pain we may face, Father, that we may endure through this life the same way that Christ endured through His and even to the point of dying on the cross for our sins, Lord. God, You are almighty. You deserve all honor and all praise. You're a defender. and You are the author and the finisher of our faith. So Lord, we lift up our voices to You and and just thank You and praise You for all the things that You do through us, for us, God, nothing can stand against Your Word that is truth and that holds truth. Um, Father, I praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.